0: Welcome
1: back. (laughs) It's good to be back. It's good to have Bridget here with us two weeks in a row this time. (laughs) And uh, we're today we're talking about Little Lion Man, which is another song by Mumford and Sons. (laughs) It is, in fact, the next song on their album Sign No More. It comes right after I gave you all, which is what we did last week, and right before Tim Shell, which Mm -hmm. we'll do next week. And uh, we are excited to be talking about this uh very exciting song so as always Bridget why don't you go ahead and uh read off the lyrics to us
2: okay here we go weep for yourself my man you'll never be what is in your heart weep little lion man you're not as brave as you were at the start rate yourself and rake yourself take all the courage you have left Wasted on fixing all the problems that you made in your own head. But it was not your fault, but mine. It was your heart on the line. I really effed it up this time, didn't I, my dear? Tremble for yourself, my man. You know that you have seen this all before. Tremble, little lion man. You'll never settle any of your scores. Your grace is wasted in your face, your boldness stands alone among the wreck. Now learn from your mother, or else spend your days biting your own neck. But it was not your fault but mine. It was your heart on the line. I really effed it up this time, didn't I, my dear?
1: All right. Fantastic, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. This is the uh this the cussing song yes. <laughs> on the album. <laughs> they have one on every album at least on their first three albums
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh, mm-hmm. this is it this is the one they actually I mean they say it a lot more times on the recording because they repeat the refrain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. multiple times, but it's a great song it is and uh, we'll talk a little more about the the cussing when we <laughs> get to that part in the line by line analysis because I have some thoughts about that. but for now, let's move into the No Fear Mumford translation of the lyrics, which would be the uh, Mumford and Sons in plain English, basically, just uh, so that we understand on a literal level what's going on in this song. So basically we have a man and a woman who find themselves in a terrible situation of some kind, and they're each trying to blame themselves for arriving at that situation. Um, The verses are the voice of the man's accuser, so somebody is speaking to the man. I don't think it's the woman who's speaking to him. I think it's either his conscience or, and we'll get into this more later, but perhaps a um, a demon of some kind that's trying to overwhelm him with the weight of his own sin, something along those lines. Um, but then in the chorus itself, that's when the man speaks to the woman claiming the guilt as his own. So the first uh, verse is the conscience or the demon speaking to him. And it says, cry for yourself because you'll never be what you want to be. Weep, you pathetic little man, because you've lost the courage that you once had. Take a good look at yourself and punish yourself all you want, but it won't matter because any courage that you have left at this point, you'll just waste on problems that you made up for yourself instead of addressing what you really need to fix. And then the, uh, the chorus comes and the man says, to the woman stop blaming yourself this mess is my fault not yours i'm the one who had your heart in my hands and broke it i really messed up wouldn't you agree and then the conscience of the demon picks up again and says you should be afraid because you know how this is going to end be afraid you coward because you know you'll never get even with those who've wronged you you can see your own goodness going to waste before your very eyes leaving you vulnerable alone and miserable if you don't watch out, you'll end up making the same self-destructive mistakes your mother made. And then we have the chorus again, and it's the the man speaking to the woman and saying, Stop blaming yourself. This mess is my fault, not yours. I'm the one who had your heart in my hands and broke it. I really messed up. Wouldn't you agree? So that's the literal interpretation of the song. There's a lot to unpack there. And uh, let's go ahead and start to get into that. Now the two, we're going to be using two other texts to examine this uh, particular song. And those two texts are The Wonderful Wizard of Oz Mm -hmm. by L. Frank Baum and East of Eden by John Steinbeck. As far as The Wonderful Wizard of Oz is concerned, I I almost feel like I don't need to introduce that book because... Like, the, the four heroes of that book are so iconic in popular culture that you know, almost feels silly to introduce them. So we're all familiar with the Cowardly Lion. He's a classic contradiction in terms, mm-hmm. right? He's the king of the jungle, but he's terrified of everything. Mm-hmm. And he wants to get to the wizard so that the wizard can give him the courage that he's lacking. And so he, he's a very comical figure, much more comical than the tone of this song. Because the song is much more exciting and angry, and maybe a little frenzied. Nonetheless, the image of a man who is a coward but referred to as a lion, undeniably begs a comparison with the cowardly lion from the Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Beyond that initial comparison, I haven't found any other like references or similarities between the song and the Wizard of Oz story. Where I found a lot more parallels was and this surprised me was between the song and east of eden by john steinbeck which we have right here it's a lovely uh steinbeck centennial edition copy very nice i've really talked up this book on the podcast before it's one of my five favorite novels of all time it's just super good it's such a really powerful examination of human nature and things like that so this uh I knew that East of Eden was definitely referenced in the song Tim Shell, which comes up right after this song. But the more I looked at this song, the more parallels I found between it and the characters in the story of East of Eden. So I think it's worthwhile introducing that book here with this song. So John Steinbeck is most well known as the author of The Grapes of Wrath and of Mice and Men. But, in my opinion, East of Eden is his masterpiece, his best novel. Granted, those are the only three of his novels that I've read, but I think East of Eden is better than uh, either Grapes of Wrath or Of Mice and Men. Although Of Mice and Men was also very good. In this book, Steinbeck combines his masterful prose with gripping character descriptions, profound insights into human nature, and a multi-generational story of epic proportions. Drawing inspiration from the stories of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and Jacob and Esau, the story is in some ways a modern retelling of the book of Genesis. Relatively modern, Mm -hmm. right? It takes place in the first half of the 20th century, Mm -hmm. so about 100 years ago. We'll dive more into this book during the next episode on Tim Shell, but it also relates to this song, uh, as I said. So East of Eden tells the story of Adam Trask, who moves from his family home in Connecticut to California where his wife abandons him and he is left with his two twin sons. With the help of his servant Lee, he raises the boys who struggle not to fall into the stereotype of Cain and Abel largely because of Adam's own strained relationship with his brother who once tried to kill him. So we have this idea of like generationally brothers keep falling into the same, similar pitfalls as Cain and Abel. Who are like mm-hmm. the prototypical brothers who are at odds with one another, and so Cal and Aaron, which is the name the names of Adam's twin boys here, they um, they really struggle with that as well. Meanwhile, their mother, who abandoned them, becomes the head of a local brothel. But the two, but the young boys have no idea if she's even still alive. As the boys grow older and one begins a relationship with a young woman, they struggle to overcome the darker parts of their souls, especially the negative traits that they've inherited from both of their parents. So lots going on in East of Eden. I don't want to you know, spoil the ending or give too much away about it, but um, I think that's uh, more or less all that we need to know about the story in order to look at this particular song. So with all of that done, you ready to dive into the line by line yes. analysis all right I'm ready <laughs> do you have any thoughts on uh, anything we've said so far
2: I think you're right to say that the story sounds a lot like Genesis I mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just from the way you described it having I mean, not read it but hearing just even the character names
1: yeah yeah kind of <laughs> um really lines up, so. Yeah, and Steinbeck was obviously intentional (laughs) about that. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. He even has
1: some of the characters point out the similarities between that story and the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely, uh, it's a little bit on the nose, but it's definitely Uh intentional. Uh So that's one of the reasons that I think this song relates to East of Eden is because this song also has qualities of the book Mm -hmm. of Genesis as well. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into that in a minute let's, uh, take a look at the first line. We'll have uh, a number of different things to discuss regarding this first line. The first line is weep for yourself, my man. So we have seen weeping several times already in the cave. We saw that, uh, the hero could see widows and orphans through his tears. And I gave you all, we had, um, tears of repentance and forgiveness. And then, uh, we're going to see tears again and after the storm i forget what the exact line um, is but something about or want to yeah, pull it it's up. Um, something about love drying your tears or something mm-hmm. like that
2: yeah um there will come a time you'll see with no more tears yes love will not break your heart but dismiss, but dismiss your fears like mm-hmm. mm-hmm. ahead of ourselves
1: yes exactly <laughs> but uh, you know we've already established that this entire album is looking forward towards that song. Mm -hmm. It's very much the the culmination of most of the themes on this album. But so the question is then what sort of tears are being referred to in this song in Little Lion Man? This is the voice of the man's accuser who's saying this, uh, saying this line and that accuser being either his conscience or perhaps the devil. Mm -hmm. And so Best I can figure, I think these are tears of despair and self-pity that uh, the man is being urged to to weep and just sort of indulge in self-pity because his uh, situation is terrible and there's nothing he can do to fix it. Let's talk about who this accuser is. It could be his conscience or it could be a demon. The reason I think it's that it might be a demon is a couple of reasons. But first of all, I get the impression from this song, that the accusations are not entirely true, mm. but it's hard to tell. But that's, that's what I think. I think these accusations are exaggerated and meant to inspire despair. When your conscience accuses you, your conscience is trying to convict you so that you will take the necessary steps to improve yourself and to atone for what you've done wrong and to do better in the future. there There's a little bit of that sort of language going on here, but mostly it's more phrases like weep for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Indulge in self-pity, that sort of thing. But also Satan in Holy Scripture is referred to as the accuser mm-hmm. several times. So in Revelation 12.10, it says the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And that that line is said right after Satan himself is thrown out of heaven. And then also in the story of Job, Satan presents himself before God and accuses Job of just being uh, disingenuous in his praise of God. He says, oh, Job only praises you because you've given him all these nice things, Mm -hmm. Um, which then opens the door for God to allow Satan to torment Job to prove that Job will continue to praise the Lord, despite the best or the worst that Satan can do to him. That's my case for why I think that the uh, accuser in this song is is the devil. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, let's keep an eye out for that as we move through these lines and as we try to work out whether or not this accusation is true, whether or not it's helpful, because mm-hmm. it might be true but not helpful, right? Mm-hmm. And it might be, uh, yeah. or it might be just a, an exaggeration and some kind of a lie. Yeah. Or it might be true and helpful. Mm-hmm. So we got to watch out for, for that and try to see. So the next line then is, you'll never be what is in your heart. So weep for yourself, my man, you'll never be what is in your heart. So that's part of the... um like despairing language mm-hmm. of the song is yeah. you want you have this desire in your heart to be the certain type of person but you'll never reach it mm-hmm. therefore cry for yourself i find this language kind of interesting because it says that you'll never be what is in your heart i'm trying to i was trying to figure out exactly what that that thing is in his heart that he wants to be Mm -hmm. because it's kind of unusual language because for instance if he had courage in his heart wouldn't we say that he was courageous Mm -hmm. and yet he has something in his heart that he actually that he isn't Mm -hmm. so that kind of indicates to me that perhaps the perhaps this statement is not true that you'll never be what is in your heart Mm -hmm. Because if it's in your heart, then isn't that that a part of you?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: But perhaps it means that he'll never be able to actualize what he has in his heart. That it's always just going to stay in there and never, like, manifest itself. So he might have Mm -hmm. courage in his heart, but it's Mm -hmm. never going to move beyond there and it'll just be wasted. Right. It'll just go to waste there.
2: Yeah, that's how I read it.
1: Maybe that's it. Maybe I was just uh, trying to read into something that isn't really there with the the peculiarity of the language. But that's what I do with Mumford and Sons. I (laughs) look too closely at the language to see if there's something there. Sometimes there is, and I guess maybe sometimes it's just, uh, just the way that they said it. So then the next line is, Weep, little lion man. So, as I mentioned earlier, this image of the Cowardly Lion because this song is very much about courage um, and fear and fear overcoming courage. You know, symbolically the lion is typically seen as a paragon of courage. Mm-hmm. We see that in uh, like the title of King Richard the Lionheart
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that sort of thing. Aslan. But, uh, Aslan yeah, yeah, <laughs> in the Chronicles of Narnia. So that's why it's so striking to have this image of a lion that's afraid, right? This image of the cowardly lion because it's a contradiction in terms. It's an oxymoron. And just to, uh, convince you all that this song is about courage versus fear. I'm going to read you the, uh, different multiple times that language about courage and fear come up in the, uh, in the song. So, First one is in the very next line where he says, you're not as brave as you were at the start. Later he says, take all the courage you have left. And then in the second verse, it says, tremble for yourself. And then it says, tremble little lion man. Then it talks about his boldness standing alone among the wreck. So very much um, words about courage, but usually it's about a, a lack of courage here. Also just the fact that the word fault is used in the chorus. Mm-hmm. Fault, way back in the cave, was equated with fear. Mm-hmm. And it's um those two have sort of gone hand in hand throughout the whole album so far. Hopefully now you're convinced that this song is about courage and fear. So the next line then is you're not as brave as you were at the start. Clearly, previously he had some level of courage, but because of what he's been through, it's been stripped away. Maybe somebody ripped it from his hands and swore it was all gone or something like that. He's lost all of his courage somehow. He's fallen from grace and he doesn't, he doesn't have that courage anymore. At least that's what the accuser says. Who knows if it's true or not. But um, I found it interesting that the language of um, the start, referring to the start, going back to the beginning, because in terms of the narrative of the album, that the, there was really a journey that was begun in the cave. And then uh, in Roll Away Your Stone, they were talking about restarting the journey, right? That Grace is the, um, the welcome that he receives with every restart, every time he begins the journey, every time he gets up again after falling and begins the journey again. That's the restart. So, moving into the last, last part of the first verse here. He says, "Rate yourself and rake yourself." What that line means is take an honest look at yourself, realize that you deserve punishment of some kind and you should punish yourself, right? The image of like raking someone across the coals. Mm-hmm. That's what he's, you know. The accuser is saying, do that to yourself, punish yourself for how, you know, rate yourself very poorly <laughs> mm-hmm. and then rake yourself across the coals and punish mm-hmm. yourself because you really, you really effed it up this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last two lines, take all the courage you have left, wasted on fixing all the problems that you made in your own head. All the courage you have left. Um, I think it's pretty, you know, it's pretty clear that that's a pretty small amount as the accuser is claiming. Mm-hmm. So it's either a small amount or maybe there's just no courage uh, at all. Um, but he's saying, like, even if you do have some small amount of courage left, it doesn't matter. You're just going to waste it on fixing problems that aren't aren't even real. Mm-hmm. Things that you made up. So the, these whole verses from the accuser are filled with a lot of um, this sort of like bitter, sarcastic tone. Mm-hmm. And it really like Harkens on this theme of the man being just impotent, having no power left to do anything correctly, that he really just like threw everything away. And now he's not good for anything at this point. So now we move into the chorus, the first chorus. And the man is speaking to the woman and says, "But it was not your fault, but mine. It was your heart on the line. I really effed it up this time, didn't I, my dear?" And that first uh, first line, um, we see uh, the imagery of fault coming back, as I mentioned, like we already saw in the cave and white blank page. Then uh, it was your heart on the line, and. I found it interesting that the word heart appears both here in the chorus, but it also appears in the first uh, verse, in the second line, where he says, you'll never be what is in your heart. Mm -hmm. We've seen in Mumford and Son's songs that the heart typically refers to, um, like, the whole person, man, as he's, Mm -hmm. uh, like, the fullness of man. So the fact that he let down her heart is, like, it's pretty um, convicting uh terminology there he really uh well he really Mm -hmm, effed it up this time (laughs) i guess you would say so the fact that mumford and sons uses the f word so many times in this song despite almost never swearing in their other songs Mm -hmm. right they never they never use it indiscriminately it's always with a purpose well i mean they're great they're great poets so every word that they use has Mm -hmm. uh, meaning behind it And so the fact that they use it so many times in this song really speaks to the intensity of the emotion in this song. The speaker really truly feels that he has unredeemably ruined the situation. It's not clear what that situation is exactly, but somehow he let down this woman. And like, it's just completely ruined, almost like he's Adam Mm -hmm. in the garden and like ruined mm-hmm. <laughs> ruined existence for the rest of mankind that's the sort of like the sort of weight that he's attributing to his own actions here mm-hmm. and then he says didn't I, my dear because he wants her to admit he want he wants her to allow himself to take on the blame because he thinks that that'll put his accuser to rest he doesn't want to he wants, he's trying to silence the voice of the accuser, which is either his conscience speaking to him truly, or a demon that's trying to mislead him, but he's taking on all of this blame on himself, and he wants her to admit that he's right about that, so that this voice in his head will stop tormenting him. Mm-hmm. So, still not entirely sure if he, like, if it really was his fault, this time, if he really did F it up as much as he thinks he did, or Mm. if he takes on too much of the blame, right? Maybe he Mm. goes overboard and buys into that voice of the demon telling him that everything is ruined now and it's completely hopeless. Because Mm. of course, even with Adam and Eve, that situation was not completely hopeless, even after the fall, because immediately God, gives the promise of the Redeemer.
2: hmm yeah. In light of Adam and Eve, and in light of Genesis, it makes a lot of sense to think that it is a man and a woman, and the, I think of the serpent, you know, just the mm-hmm. conniving serpent. Um, who's tempting them at first to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Um, and then there's always that debate, like whose fault was it? You know, was it Adam? Was it Eve? Right who's really to blame here, um, who really messed up. Right. And Adam, it sounds like Adam is the one who's really the one taking fault because in, there's always, I think, those who say, everyone puts the blame on Eve, but really it was Adam who, who uh, is to blame and Mm -hmm. um, that's what he's doing in this conversation is saying, yeah, it was really, was my fault. Um,
1: Right. And even if Mumford and Sons wasn't, thinking of Adam and Eve, Mm -hmm. per se, when they wrote this, that's, you know, Adam and Eve are the first people. Mm -hmm. It's like the primal conflict between (laughs) man and woman, or the the primal, I guess you might even say the original sin, (laughs) was Uh original sin that Mm -hmm. they, (laughs) that Mm -hmm. they committed. So it's very, um, looking back to original sin can shed light on any situation like the one described in Little Lion Man here. So, but then also because of its connections with East of Eden, mm-hmm. that like that adds an extra level of an extra scoop of Genesis flavor. Right. Added into mm-hmm. the mix of this song. So let's jump into the second verse then. It starts off with the accuser saying, Tremble for yourself, my man. There's one of those fear-related words there. Mm-hmm. You know that you have seen this all before. So by that, he means this is a very familiar situation. You've been been here before. You know how this is going to go down. You know, sort of indicate, look, you've been through heartbreak before. You know that it always ends in tragedy. Because, well, that's how how the, the journey of romance works, right? Is that every time you start dating somebody and you either marry that person or you break up with that person
0: mm-hmm.
1: and or so, you never get married or you never get well, yes <laughs> all right there are obviously <laughs> other other exceptions but um, hopefully they get married yeah but you you either you're either with that person for the rest of your life or you're not mm-hmm. and so heartbreak is very um it's a very familiar emotion um And we've seen that in several songs already on this album. Um, We've seen heartbreak and betrayal and failed relationships already. And so the accuser is saying that there isn't hope. You know that this is going to end just as badly as all the other ones did. Then it goes on to say, Tremble little lion man, you'll never settle any of your scores. Seems like a little bit of a shift here because now it's no longer talking about um him messing up so much as it's about him not being able to get even with people and it's causing him to focus on the on how people in the past have wronged him and how he wishes that he could get revenge, get even, settle those scores, mm-hmm. but he can't. <laughs> You're too weak and impotent even to to get even with mm-hmm. those people from your past, mm-hmm. the the accuser is trying to make him feel weak for just just uh, you know letting his heart be broken, taking the betrayal without punishing the people who have done him wrong, which is not really I think what he's supposed to be focusing on. That's very backwards looking, inward facing mm-hmm. disposition. That's not uh, not very healthy. And then he says, your grace is wasted in your face. Your boldness stands alone among the wreck. Now learn from your mother or else spend your days biting your own neck. So there's a lot in those last three lines there. So first of all, your grace is wasted in your face. That's hearkening back to the first verse where it said, waste your courage on fixing the problems in your own head. That any any good qualities that you have any grace that you've been given, it just goes to waste because you're too cowardly to take action. You can't get even with people. You can't do anything right anymore. You just, uh, all you're good for is effing things up, Mm -hmm. right? And then it says your boldness stands alone among the wreck. This is again kind of similar to earlier when he was saying, take all the courage you have left. because. He doesn't have any boldness according to the accuser Mm -hmm. so when he says your boldness stands alone among the wreck that's a sarcastic ironic statement because the whole thing he's been saying so far is that you don't have any boldness Mm -hmm. that's like an even lonelier situation than before is that so he's just like nothing nothing of him stands among the wreck he's just completely Mm -hmm. fallen down
2: again thinking about adam and eve you know your grace is wasted in your face, this idea of falling from grace. Mm-hmm. It's like any grace you had is now gone. You know, and your boldness stands alone among the wreck. So because of your actions of you wanting to be like God, that act is now that pride is what's there um, among the the mess of sin now that is in the world. And then going on makes me also think of that. Learn what, from what your, does- learn from your mother or I'll spend your days by your own neck so I think about Mary you know mm-hmm. blessed mother <laughs> um, who was obedient who kind of made up for what was uh, fought, what was lost at during the fall um, she's right. full of grace through her obedience um, her humility
1: that last line there about learning from your mother that's that's the one line that gives me pause about thinking that the vo- that this accusing voice is the voice of a demon, mm-hmm. because it does give some kind of hope in that line. Yeah. It says you, it is possible that if you learn from your mother, you could overcome these uh, mm-hmm. these faults and these failings, and these fears. But there are some other <laughs> ways we could interpret yes, that. Of course. <laughs> but before we get into that, no, but yeah, let's let's just get into that so there's one other place on this album where the word mother is mentioned and that's in the next song tim shell we'll get into that more when we get there <laughs> um but that so that song is undoubtedly connected with east of eden because mm. the name is tim shell mm. and the word tim shell is a hebrew word that is the theme of the novel east of eden it's one of the very last words spoken in the book, and the word itself is introduced at the exact mid-page of the novel. And it's a very, very pivotal theme in that book. We don't need to get into what Tim Shell means yet, but it comes from the passage in scripture that tells the story of Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's tied in with the that uh, early part of Genesis sort of tone and themes that uh, are are very heavy and present in East of Eden. And then also in, in this song, the song has a very, um, you know, Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve sort of feel to it. A lot of the emotions in this song could be ascribed to Cain as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So we could ascribe them to Adam after the fall, but I think Cain also works really well, maybe even better. Because he really, I mean, <laughs> he really did screw up pretty badly also by killing his brother because he was jealous of him. You know, he doesn't receive the blessing from Adam. that The blessing goes on to um, Adam's third son, Seth, instead of mm-hmm. to Cain. And Cain ends up leaving Adam and Eve after murdering Abel um, and going off to start his own to build the first city and to um, sort of begin civilization more like we know it. So really, you could attribute all of these lines that uh, in the verses, all the lines of the accuser could also could be directed towards Cain because of what he did wrong. It could be the demon speaking to him. And uh, in Genesis, when in the story of Cain, God refers to sin as a demon lurking at Cain's door that wants to control him mm-hmm. um so this could be this could be the voice of that demon speaking to Cain and then Cain taking on that uh, that blame in the verses you know I don't, I don't think we're going to find a perfect comparison anywhere yeah um, <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't think it's going to we're going to discover that it's literally Adam in the song or literally Cain or literally the characters from East of Eden Mm -hmm. but it takes inspiration from all those things we could even interpret the voice of the accuser in this song as the voice of uh, Lee who is the Trask family servant in East of Eden because he is uh, he's the best character (laughs) in the novel he's so great he's a Chinese man who serves the Trask family and he's just constantly the voice of reason and morality and counsel and conscience for Adam Trask and his two sons because those people are super messed up they you know <laughs> they have a lot to deal with and Lee is just so amazing for patiently standing by them through everything and always being being there to help them and to to guide them through these quandary these like moral quandaries they find themselves in and that sort of thing. And so, you know, it's possible that if if the accusation in the song is true, that could be Lee's voice speaking to Adam Trask or his son Cal perhaps. As we're going through line by line, I'm actually seeing a little bit Less of, East of eden than mm-hmm. I expected, mm-hmm. but like I said, it's kind of in the tone. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, though no, that's right. There was one other thing that I haven't mentioned yet. And that's the the line learned from your mother, mm-hmm. or else spend your days biting your own neck. Mm-hmm. Because so it's interesting you brought up the Virgin Mary as that paragon of motherhood mm-hmm. that we're supposed to imitate. But this line could also be interpreted as learn from the mistakes of your mother. Mm -hmm. Or else you'll end up biting your own neck and being as self-destructive as she was.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: holy cow, (laughs) the mother in East of Eden (laughs) is the worst character I have ever discovered in any novel anywhere or in any literature, any movie or TV show or book or whatever. She is... The devil. Mm. She's really bad. <laughs> okay, so I guess maybe the devil would be a worse mm. character. Yeah. But she's she's horrible. She's atrocious. She's a complete psychopath who loves just like manipulating people and inflicting pain on them. Mm. And she like gets totally repulsed by the fact that she's pregnant with these boys. um And it like you know. Drives her. That's why she abandons them and goes and decides to work in a brothel because she likes using that position to control people. Like she works her way up through the ranks and eventually takes control of the whole brothel because she's the kind of person who likes that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's really disturbing and unsettling. And she creeps me out to no end but she's also one of the things that makes the book so good because it's just really fa- She's such a fascinating character at the same time. Mm-hmm. And what happens, I guess I'm going to give away a little bit about this, the book, but towards the end of the novel, Cal, one of Adam's sons discovers that his mother is still alive and that she runs this brothel and he finds out who she is and he meets her and he's just rightfully so utterly appalled at what she's become mm. and what and he's really unsettled because he's her offspring right he has her blood in him he is afraid that he's going to fall into the same sorts of of vices and mm. that that same level of manipulation and just profound evil that she does especially because of the two twins he gravitates more naturally towards that sort of thing. He's always been, he's the Cain son, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And Aaron is able. Aaron was always much more like his father, Adam, much more angelic, Um, even though, of course, he wasn't without his own problems. Those become more and more apparent as the story progresses. But there was always this sort of understanding in the family that Aaron was the good one and Cal was the bad one. So when when Cal finds out just how bad his mother really is, he he thinks that he's doomed to repeat her mistakes, to spend his days biting his own neck mm-hmm. and you know falling into those self-destructive vices just like his mother. That I think that's a really strong connection between the song and East of Eden. Yeah. So that woman is really. Don't be like her. None of us should be like her. (laughs) Um, She's a really strong example of what not to do in life. The sort of moral of East of Eden, if you want to go so far as to assign a moral to a masterful work of literature. But the, the moral, more or less, of that story is that we make our own choices in life and we are not governed by our inheritance by what we inherit from our parents mm. um that even if our parents were terrible people we have the choice to become good people ourselves mm-hmm. um that's very much tied bound up with the word tim shell,
0: mm-hmm. which we'll get mm-hmm. into more
1: in the next song so it is possible um and we get a hint of that possibility in this song but not much more than that the last two songs with the white blank page we just we saw a lot of confusion And trying to make sense of how it was possible for that betrayal to happen. And then I gave you all was just like this wallowing in self in misery because of the betrayal that he'd received. And then in this song, it's turning towards bitterness and self-accusation and sarcasm. Not good. Mm -hmm. Not a good emotional state Mm -hmm. in this song. And it it ends on a strong note of self-accusation with the refrain or the, the chorus being repeated several times. Mm-hmm. It was not your fault but mine, it was your heart on the line. I really effed it up this time, didn't I, my dear?
2: Oof. Yeah, it's the cursing song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's
1: a song about the curse, mm-hmm. right?
2: Yeah, so it's very fitting that this mm-hmm. is a song where Lumford uses the cursing. I also wondered, like, I agree that they don't, they use the word very intentionally, But I was also wondering, maybe they just didn't curse much in other songs because they didn't want the explicit little logo on the album Mm -hmm. to deter people from buying it. Because I think, I wonder if that would deter people from, maybe not though. maybe that's, it's just, it would deter me. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Um, It's possible. And I knew I know they do, you know, I've watched interviews and things mm-hmm. with them and, or, and even at the concert that we were at, they, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. they cursed quite a bit just when talking. They
2: told us to shut the F up.
1: Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> right before they sang Tim Shell, yes. which was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was a great moment. <laughs> that was. Um, so yeah, it's possible they didn't want the explicit logo on the album. Um, that could be part of what holds them back, but mm-hmm. you know, I think even that, that itself is indicative of the care that they put into selecting the words that they use in their songs.
2: Yes. They swear in any song, it should be this one.
1: Yeah. So, (laughs) I think so. So, um, I guess it's time then to talk about what we've learned today. This song, uh, brings us to the second half of the album. Mm -hmm. Song number seven of 12. We've gone on quite the journey so far. We had the, uh, like preface or prologue to the album with uh, sign no more and then the journey began in the cave and then uh, there was a fall from grace and winter winds and a um, and then a like an introspective uh, journey that was begun in roll away your stone and then uh, reach a, uh, a place of of being a much better person and then he suffers betrayal, and I in white blank page, and then while in pity over that betrayal, mm-hmm. and I gave you all, and then now in this song he's turning bitter. So I guess in terms of human nature, then what this song shows us is, I very much get the sense that it's a song about the original sin, mm-hmm. um, at least in a in a symbolic way. And the idea the man has fallen right, and that man has has really effed it up (laughs) and um we suffer at the hands of accusers a lot Mm. Um, every time we do something wrong because we do we you know we we mess things up we fall and then we have to deal with the fact that we've fallen and we have to confront that accuser whether it's our conscience you know, convicting us properly or whether it's the devil using our guilt to try to drive us towards further sin, we have to come to grips with the fact that we're fallen and that we have, uh, screwed things up and that we, we need grace and we need to learn from our mother, right? So mm-hmm. either, uh, both, um, not imitating the mistakes of, our mother whether it's you know the mother from east of eden mm-hmm. or eve the first woman who was the first person to eat the fruit or whether it's uh learning from the positive examples set by the blessed mother i guess the moral if you want to call it that of this song is that uh learn from our mother learn from our our mistakes except the fact that we do fall and move on from there mm-hmm and next week we will move on yeah with a uh, mm-hmm. much much slower much uh, gentler mm-hmm. song
2: mm-hmm. yes it'll
1: really give us an opportunity to rest on the journey and strengthen ourselves for the climax that we're building towards yes so all right well i guess that's uh all for today folks
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so thanks for joining us yes thanks so much for watching the video (laughs) listening to the podcast doing whatnot hit that uh subscribe button hit the notifications to stay updated share this podcast with somebody who you think would uh, be interested in uh, learning more about Mumford and Sons classic literature scripture or uh or us (laughs) So, all right, well, as always, this is a production of The Flight House, which is an organization founded by myself and my sister. So head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash The Flight House. You can check out what we're doing. If you want to stay up to date with us, hit the follow button on there. Put in your email address. And, uh, you know, my, my sister's been writing a lot of really fascinating articles about, like, the nature of art and uh, sort of the philosophy behind The Flight House. So mm. I, yeah. I would encourage you uh, keeping up with that. Those are those have been really good. So anyway, I think uh, that's all the announcements,
2: mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, we'll be back next week with Tim Shell, and until next time, we are TS Russell and
2: BT Gamboni. Bridget, there you go, <laughs>
1: Bridget
2: Gamboni. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we are reminding you to sign up more.
2: Bye bye.